Welcome to Village Church of Gurney Podcast. This week, Pastor David will be continuing in on this series in Proverbs. He will be preaching from Proverbs 5. And the name of the series is called Fear God, Walk Wisely. The name of the title of the sermon is The Path of Purity. Let's join Pastor David now. Well, we are going through, continuing through our series in the book of Proverbs entitled Fear God and Walk Wisely. The text that we will be looking at today is going to make you squirm, (laughs) then it's going to make you blush, and it's going to make you worship. (laughs) That's my introduction. Let's go to it. (laughs) Please meet me in Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs 5. In two words, as you're turning there, if I could summarize the entire chapter of Proverbs 5 in two words, it would basically be pursue purity. Pursue purity. It's going to make us squirm, it's going to make us blush, then it's going to make us worship. And we might ask the question, why does the Bible care so much about such a private thing? Why does God's word care about what happens in the privacy of my own home, in my own bedroom? Why does God care so much about marriage and sexuality? And these are the questions the world is asking. Why does God make such a fuss about these things? Well, we're going to see right out of the gates that God cares about this because sin of a sexual nature, sexual sin, is more devastating than you and I think. Sexual sin is more devastating than you and I think. Look at verses, I'm going to read 1 through 14, then the last two verses, verses 22 and 23, Proverbs chapter 5, reading from the English Standard Version. God's Word said, My, my son, remember this is an older man speaking to his son, a younger man, My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, how I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Verses 22 and 23. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. I remember uh, growing up, my My father-in-law and I, many of you know, I grew up in northern Minnesota. 
And one of the things you do in northern Minnesota is you cut down trees. And I remember my dad teaching me how to use a chainsaw. Maybe some of you had that, that moment. And I remember him uh, telling me how important the, the boots are and how important the eye protection, wearing the chaps. Remember him teaching me how to hold a chainsaw, how to start it carefully, how to absolutely respect that chain, how to stand with a, with a stiff left arm so it doesn't bounce back and, and hit you, how to have a firm right arm, how to set your stance, how to cut down a tree, how to watch a tree fall so it doesn't swing back, where it falls, where to run, all these things. And a part of what my dad shared with me were some horror stories because he wanted me to respect the chainsaw. Why? Because it is powerful. It's powerful. Proverbs chapter 5 is a warning passage. And every warning that we find in Scripture comes from a heart of a loving and caring Heavenly Father who wants the absolute best for His children. And because He loves us so much, He's going to warn us about something. And in this passage specifically, we're talking about sexual purity and to pursue purity and to do that part of what god's word does is he warns us why because sexuality is powerful god has designed it to be powerful and it's important that we utilize sexuality in according to god's design otherwise it can actually be dangerous brain scientists as of uh, current in our current historical moment are seeing this actually in the chemistry of our brains when we are stimulated literally dopamine is released in our brain this chemical that hits both the learning center of our brain and also the emotive center of our brain and does two things it increases craving and dec decreases control by God's design it does this now Inside marriage, the covenant commitment between husband and wife, this is a good and beautiful and wonderful thing. Increases craving, decreases control, and actually facilitates an addictive pattern. This is what happens as the brain scientists are, are, are showing us, which is physically happening, which we know through God's word is designed to happen. Inside marriage, it's a beautiful thing. Outside marriage, what actually happens is the dopamine isn't just released, it's flooded. It overdoses our emotive and learning portions of our brain, and it sends the addictive pattern absolutely out of control. And it literally rewires our brains in such a way that outside of God's design, outside of marriage, either, either premarital or extramarital, Sin literally addicts us to death. And this is exactly what this passage is talking about. Remember verses 22? The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. He is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline. In the opening verses, my son, be attentive, inclined. You can hear this loving, pleading heart of the father to his son. And by the way, this, again, remember Proverbs 1 through 9 is written from an older man to a younger man. So there's a lot of language between my, my son. By application, this passage is absolutely speaking to both men and women. 
So by analogy, this could equally be applied as my daughter. Be attentive. Beware of the wayward man. And the reason that this is so important is because God has designed our sexuality to exist in the confines of covenant commitment marriage. One man, one woman, in a lifelong covenant commitment. And in that, it's a good and wonderful and beautiful thing. Outside it, it's dangerous because it's so powerful. And the reason why I think this passage is so important to us is because we live in a cultural moment where access is absolutely unprecedented. Every generation has struggled with this. What's new in this generation, in this moment, is access. So whether this is sexual sin by way of emotional stimulation, whether this is a sin by way of uh, visual stimulation, whether this is an actual extramarital affair, God's word says, please, my child, don't go there. Don't go there. Turn back. Do absolutely everything you can to avoid these scenarios. And I think there's actually a unique, in some ways not unique, but two sides to this tempting coin. Either uh, for those who are single here today, who are listening to my voice, whether you're here or joining us online, if you're single today, the temptation to you is going to sin and <laughs> sin and Satan are going to tempt you to think that your singleness is something like a cage, something like a prison, that the keys of sexuality are just out of reach, like in all the pirate movies. They're locked in the prison in the ship, and guess who has the keys? Remember the dog, right? Just out of reach. And sin and Satan twist our sexuality to make us feel like singleness is, is a cage. And sexuality is this freedom just out of reach that, that is just dangling. And if we could just get a hold of it, we could finally be free. The temptation is actually similar, even within marriage. Sin and Satan start to make marriage feel like a fence. And sin and Satan says, well, are you sure the grass isn't greener on the other side? And the way that sin works is it says, come just a little closer, just a little closer. And as a result of it, we find that sin, specifically by way of sexual sin, is like honey on the lips, words smoother than oil that promises honey, that promises satisfaction, but delivers death, ends up being poison, ends up to our own destruction, our own demise, our own, our own undoing. It destroys relationships. It destroys people financially. It destroys trust. It destroys the relationship between parents and children. This is powerful. And because God is so loving, he is pleading with us. He's yearning with us as a heavenly father to his sons and to his daughters. One image that I, I ran across by way of illustration of how this temptation works is that in the upper latitude areas of, of, of Northern America, uh, the Native American population has found a way to trap wolves that's incredibly effective, incredibly seductive, if I could say it that way, incredibly sneaky, if I could say it that way. 
And Native Americans in upper areas of latitude trap wolves by taking a knife. And they actually, some of you might know this illustration, they take the knife and they actually dip the blade either in blood or in lard. Stick with me. Then they put the blade in the ice, handled down, frozen solid, so it's a blade sticking up out of the earth, covered in blood or lard. A wolf comes along and smells something and says, I'm hungry. And the wolf comes over to the blade and just takes a little taste. And then another little taste. And then another lick and another taste and another taste. And before you know it, the blade just makes a small slit in the tongue. All of a sudden, the wolf starts to taste blood, fresh blood, warm blood, and he takes another lick and another lick and another lick. And before you know it, the tongue is, is bleeding. And before you know it, the wolf has died. Now, it's a pretty intense illustration. But the reason why it is so powerful is because it's, it's so true. This is how sin works in our lives. Sin says, just one taste. Just a small taste. No one's here. No one knows. And we take a lick and another and another. And before you know it, we find ourselves ensnared, held fast in the cords of our sin, dying for lack of discipline, promising honey, delivering bitterness, promising words smoother than oil, delivering poison. And God's word is pleading with you and I, whatever it takes, run the absolute other direction. Because sexual sin is more devastating than you and I think. It's more devastating than we realize. It's more devastating than we know. And you might be thinking at this point of the message, man, geez, Pastor David, this is, hey, I'm just the messenger. <laughs> this is in the Bible, people. And it's in the Bible because God cares enough about us to put it here, to recognize just how serious this topic is. And because it's so powerful, God in his love gives us this warning to help us ward us away from sin and draw us deeper into his design. Now, sexual sin is more devastating than you and I know, but sexual faithfulness, sexual purity is more constructive, it's more beautiful, it's more wonderful than you and I realize. God's design is greater than we initially think. Look at what this passage says next. Look at verses 15 through 20. Instead of just defense, God also gives an offense. Instead of just avoid this, God says engage in this. Look at this, verses 15 through 20, speaking older man to a younger man who is married, listen to this, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? And again, by analogy, this is absolutely just as applicable to the ladies. Why give yourself to someone else? 
Delight in the husband that God has given you. Now, this passage is going to make us squirm. We're done. Now it's going to make us blush. This is where we're going next. It's in the Bible. This, is, this topic is, is too important. It's too big for us to not talk about with one another. I'm speaking specifically, uh, parents to your children, have this conversation. Have this conversation. And we're going to entrust it to you, to your wisdom on when that conversation happens, how that conversation happens. But this topic is too important not to discuss. Also, men in our fellowship, this topic is too important for us to not to encourage one another in. Areas of purity, areas of fidelity, whether that's uh, um, singleness and chastity in, in our singleness, whether that's fidelity in our marriage. Men, we got to get in each other's lives to encourage and spur one another on down the path of purity in God's design of what marriage is. Ladies, also, you as well. This topic is too important for this not to come up in your conversations, not to come up in ways of encouraging one another, warning each other in love and grace. This is a large portion of why our men and women's ministries exist here at Village. We want to build relationships, men with other godly men, women with other godly women, in such a way that we can spur each other on, that we can encourage each other to walk down the path of holiness. Why? Because it is flourishing to us in God's design. It's too important not to talk about. And our sexuality is so important to talk about. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's not dangerous because sexuality is so bad. It's dangerous because sexuality is so good. Now catch me. Stick with me. There's a temptation or there's a way to think about it that especially as, as children growing up in Christian circles, and this is an appropriate topic to talk about, that if especially young ones growing up hear over and over and over bad, sex is bad, avoid it. It's a bad thing. It's a dirty thing. It's a gross thing. There's a way that we start to realize, uh-oh, but didn't God design this? Didn't God create us for one another? Did not God create marriage and design this to be a part of it? It's a powerful thing. It's a, actually a dangerous thing, not because it's so bad, but because it's so good. Because within the confines of marriage, God has designed our sexuality to be a part of that. And I think in this cultural moment, I don't know if this is unique to our cultural moment, but sin has a way of, of tempting us to think that God's design is kind of restrictive kind of takes all the fun out of life, kind of boring. I mean, that's what the world says. I have literally had conversations in previous seasons with coworkers who were talking about their sexual life in terms of, of test driving a car, literally. And our world has this idea that, oh, God's so restrictive. One man, one woman, lifelong covenant commitment, ball and chain, that's the metaphor, right, that the world tosses around. How trapped, how restrictive. If I can condescend a little bit to a, just a sarcastic comment, have you read Proverbs chapter 5? <laughs> Boring? Restrictive? And there's actually an ironic twist to God's design. Because his design for sexuality is so restrictive, therefore it's so freeing. Now catch this. Stick with me. Is a, is a train more free on or off its tracks? Is a fish more free in or outside of its bowl? 
you talk to any athlete, you talk to any musician, do you know how, you know how Jordan just put those threes up? It just looks seamlessly. You want to know how athletes perform in, in such a level of freedom? It just makes it look easy. You look at, you know, concert uh, pianists, and you look at how their fingers just float so seamlessly up and down, the, and you think how, how free they are. Do you know how they got to that level of freedom? Hundreds of hours of restrictive, self-limiting commitment to understanding the rules of the game, the rules of music, and precisely because they're so restricted, therefore they're so free. Married couples, we will never be fully given to our spouses until we know we are fully committed. God's design for marriage is one man, one woman in a lifelong covenant commitment. The world says how restrictive. God says how freeing. The reason God's design is like this is because he wants marriage to be a life-giving, freeing place where we can freely give ourselves to our spouse. And we will never be able to do that unless we know for sure, for sure, for sure that death itself can... It, Death itself is the only thing that can separate husband and wife. And because those confines are so restrictive, so protective, therefore we can be free. And if we don't have that commitment, we'll never be open. Not fully. We won't be emotionally open. We won't be financially open, spouses. We won't be physically open. If you want to be fully exposed to your spouse in every way of the term, you've got to know there is a full commitment. Why? Otherwise, you'll always feel on trial. You're always going to feel like, uh-oh, what if they find out who I am? What if they see things in my life that, are, are, that I'm not proud of, things that are gross, things that I'm, I'm ashamed of? And if they see that, then they're going to leave. You're always going to feel like you're on trial. Or you're always going to have an eye on the back door. God says, I want, I want there to be fullness of life-giving, selfless relationship in a marriage, and the only way we can get that is by absolutely making it the most restrictive relationship possible. <laughs> when you purchase a car, you and I know that every so many thousand miles, we've got to change the oil. Every so many miles, we've got to change the gas. We might think, we might look at that little sticker and say, oh, how restrictive time to change the oil. I'm just going to skip it. Forget these restrictions. You know, you know where that leads? destruction. We look at the gas, you know, it's almost on empty. Ah, so restrictive. I'm just going to keep on driving. You know where that leads? A broken car. God cares about this so much is that he wants to design it in such a way that we have the greatest amount of human flourishing in the marriage relationship. And because we have this beautiful commitment in marriage, you know what happens? Dopamine is released in the brain. It hits our emotive and learning centers of our brain, which increases craving and decreases control. And that, that, that fosters a beautifully addictive nature within marriage. Do you see just how wonderful God's design is? Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, give yourself fully to your spouse in every sense of the word. Serve them. Love them. Get addicted to them. Listen to some of this. It's in the Bible, people. Look, look at this. Let your fountain be blessed, uh, 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 going down into a, your own well, your own cistern. 
Her breasts fill you at all times in delight. Be intoxicated always with you. This makes us blush, people, that God designed this. And he designed it to exist within marriage. It changes the conversation, doesn't it? Not from, oh man, God's design's kind of second best, but anything else from God's design, you're missing out. Anything outside of this design in marriage and sexuality, the world is missing out. They're settling for less than what God has designed in marriage. This is a God-given good thing. Sexual sin is more devastating and destructive than we know. Sexual faithfulness is more constructive and life-giving than we think. Thirdly, and God's love is deeper than you can imagine. God's love, His mercy, His grace, His kindness, His restorative power is deeper than you can imagine. I'm going to look at one verse. Check this out. Proverbs 5, verse 21. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Now, let's spend some time on this verse. Sexual sin has a way of strangling us to death in isolation. A part of what Satan and sin put in our ears, especially during this time of literal isolation. We're encouraged to, wisely so, to stay away in terms of keeping each other healthy. That isolates us as humanity. Now, sexual temptation wants us to think no one knows, no one sees, and no one's here. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21 shows us that God knows, God sees, and God's here. Now, you might think, wait a second, Pastor, didn't you say this verse was supposed to be about God's love? <laughs> now I'm feeling just scared. Now, God's sovereignty, he's all-knowing, he's everywhere present. This is not designed to scare you into obedience like Santa Claus. Stick with me. I'm about to ruin one of our hymns. Uh, one of, not hymns. <laughs> not a hymn. One of our Christmas carols. <laughs> God's sovereignty, his all his omniscience, his omnipresence, he's all-knowing, he's everywhere present. That's not designed to scare us into obedience like Santa. Remember this song? Who sees you when you're sleeping. Kind of creepy now that I put it this way. I'm ruining it. Who knows when you're awake. Remember the next line? Who knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. And sometimes we can feel like God is acting like that. Can I say the exact opposite? God is not wagging his finger saying, I'm here and I see you, so be good for goodness sake. And mad at us, scowling at us. See this back door to God's love. He knows all. He sees all. And he loves you and I anyway. He loves you and I in spite of ourselves. He knows everything we've ever said, everything we've ever seen, everything we've ever done, and he loves us anyway. Do you see the love of God in that? Don't let this verse, God is all-knowing, he's everywhere present, he sees everything, he knows everything. Let that melt you with his grace. 
see his protective and loving hand of a heavenly father to you and I. He sees and knows. And that means he's going to get close enough to us. And he's, when we are in sin, God being close to us is a frustrating thing. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, we cover ourselves with, with leaves. We try to hide. God, stay away. Don't come close. And God is going to come closer and closer and closer because he loves us. Because he wants to get close enough to, to undo sin without undoing us. He wants to destroy sin in our life before sin destroys us. See his protective love in this, brother and sister in Christ. See God's protection held out to you and to me. And then let that absolutely melt you with grace. Think of this. We spend a lot of our lives not letting people in. Why? Because we're afraid if they actually see us, they're going to leave. If they actually knew what we thought, if they actually saw what we saw, if they actually knew the things that we've done, we think, I can't tell anyone that because if they know that, I'm not going to have any friends. No one's going to love me. They're just going to see how broken and, and, and twisted I am, and, and I'm just going to be alone. God says, I see. I know. And I died to show you how much I love you. And because of our sin, Christ had to die for us. That's just how broken all of us, all of us are. Because of our sin, it required the death of the very Son of God himself. He had to die for us. And now catch this, in spite of our sin, he wanted to die for us. That Christ went willingly to the cross. That God himself knows that the iniquity in the, our sin ensnare us and it holds us fast in the cords of sin and we die for lack of discipline, Christ says, I'll take that death. Ensnare me, trap me, pin me to the cross so that you and I don't have to die for our own sins. The beauty of the biblical gospel is a very sobering, hard truth initially and a very beautiful truth secondarily. Someone is going to die for our sins. It's either us or it's God. That's the sobering truth. Now look at the beauty. God willingly sent his son. The son willingly went to the cross and he wanted to die for us. And as you've probably heard the phrase in many other places, that means we are fully known and fully loved. That God himself knows us through and through. And the very shocking reality of his love is not because he doesn't know us, it's because he does know us. And he loves us anyway. So much so to die for us. So do you see this passage, this loving heart from a heavenly, protective, grace-filled father warning us, every warning in scripture is an expression of God's grace and love. And he's calling us to pursue purity and then to find ourselves in the very arms of God, to find ourselves in his forgiveness and his grace, to find ourselves in his restorative power. There's nothing outside of God's ability to heal, to restore, even if we have to wait till heaven itself. God's grace will carry us through. Now, I recognize that I'm speaking to a very broad set of listeners today. Some of you today are single. Some of you today are married. 
Some of you today have, have gone through a difficult season in terms of temptation, and you're on the other side, and you're walking in grace. You're walking in freedom, that, that you've, you're aware of how dangerous and powerful this temptation is, but you're walking in grace. I know I'm speaking to some today who you might be in sin itself, even, even today, even this week. So can I encourage you very briefly, I want to set out a couple different maps wherever you find yourself in this journey. If you're single here today, walk with the God that is your ultimate, that satisfies you, that gives you your ultimate identity, your ultimate meaning, so that you know that though sexuality as God has designed it, it's a good thing, it's not an ultimate thing. Christ himself was single. We can go through this life in singleness and celibacy, and God can, you don't have to spend your life trying to do something about your singleness. You can try to do something with your singleness for God's glory. Walk with God who sustains you and keeps you. Those who are married here today, walk with God and serve your spouse. Give yourself to them fully. Those of you who are walking in a season of your life where you're walking in purity and fidelity, keep it up. Keep it up. Keep men, men in your life, women, women in your life who can speak into your life to encourage you, to, to cheer you on on this path of, of purity. And if you're listening to my voice today in such a way that you're in a moment of your life where you're in sin, and sin's fingers have got a hold on you, and they're dragging you deeper and deeper and deeper, can I plead with you? Can I plead with you as, as a pastor, as, as a friend? Soften your heart to God's grace. Soften your heart to, to the forgiveness that God offers. That over time, God can free you from the bondage that sin has over us. Can I encourage you that the path is not a, 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 a hopeless path? that there is restoration, there is grace, there is renewal, there is freedom. Lean into grace. And by one step at a time, you will see God draw you deeper and deeper and deeper out of sin and into his love. Pursue purity and find yourself in the loving arms of God. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for the hard passages we find in the Bible. Lord, we thank you that you love us and care about us enough that you're going to speak into some very private matters of our lives. Father, I pray for our church. Would you help us, Lord? Help us to appreciate the beauty of what you have designed marriage and sexuality to be. Help us to appreciate the danger of what the path of sin will bring us down and help us, Lord, to ride on your grace deeper into your love. I pray for all those who are listening to my voice, whether here or at home, encourage them, Father. May everything said as a result of today draw us closer to yourself. And either through the doors of gratitude or either through the doors of repentance, may we find ourselves in the arms of God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Village Church of Gurney's podcast. 
If you would like to know more about Village Church, you can go to our Facebook page under Village Church of Gurney or go to www.vcgurney.org.